0: Welcome to Legislative Breakdown, a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Gary Moncrief, Boise State University political science professor emeritus who spends his spare time studying legislatures around the country including Idaho's. And in this podcast, we break down the Idaho legislature, what's happening, drilling down into the why and how it affects you. We're going to have a wonderful conversation coming up with Representative Brooke Green. You may remember her from our very first podcast this season. And we're going to revisit to go back with what she has been doing since the legislature started this year. But before we get to that, Uh, Let's talk about the end of the legislature. It was supposed to be on the 25th. That's a Monday, which means they have to wrap things up by Wednesday of next week. Here's what I've heard so far Uh, on the Senate side. Pro Tem Brent Hill said this week that the Senate would hopefully wrap things up on Tuesday. And then later in the week, we heard from House Speaker Scott Bedke, who said this is going to take until April. Want to make a bet, Gary?
1: (laughs) Well, I think we're closer to April than to next week. I think what Brent Hill actually said was that the committees would be done Done on Tuesday, not necessarily the floor action. Because what happens here toward the end of the session, of course, is once things come out of the committee, it's all got to go to the floor. And there is a lot of stuff on the uh, second reading, third reading calendars, which is the calendars for – you know, for for floor action.
0: But that would mean no more new bills in the Senate, basically. That's right. If the committee's closed no, down. Exactly. Gotcha. That
1: still would mean the old Senate bills that hadn't come to the floor yet. And it would still mean the House bills that are coming over. Right. So I don't see any way that they're going to be done before at least the week after next. And that would be something of a extraordinary task, given where they are. There's A lot of breaking down right now uh, in the system, it seems. And this is not atypical. It happens in a lot of legislatures toward the end.
0: There's a lot of frustration out there. There's frustration among... Party leaders who uh, got together this week for a press club event and just a lot of angst going on. That's one of the terms I heard this week in the in the press.
1: Right. One of the interesting things that was said during this uh, press club meeting on I think it was Tuesday was that the speaker, uh, Scott Bedke, said he didn't have the votes in his caucus to get a Medicaid expansion bill out at this point. Basically, he's saying We're still hung up within our caucus about getting this thing out. The minority leader, Matt Erpelding, said something to the effect that, well, you just heard the speaker say that the Democrats are irrelevant.
0: Erpelding said, my friend the speaker just said we intend to marginalize the minority until April 5th.
1: What the speaker is saying is... I need to get a majority of my caucus together to agree to something, of Republicans. That caucus is very large. It's 56 out of the 70 members of the House. 56 of them are Republicans. And so what the speaker is saying there is I'm not bringing a bill to the floor unless I have a majority of my caucus in agreement.
0: So Medicaid expansion is the bill in is question. The bill.
1: That's the bill in this case. What Erpelding is saying is... That cuts us out of the process altogether because what we need, what the legislature needs to pass a bill, is essentially 36 votes here. 36 out of 70 is a majority. That doesn't mean that you have to have all of them from the Republican side.
0: You could have some Democrats in there. You could have some
1: Democrats. If, in fact, 22 of the Republicans, that's not a majority of the caucus, and all 14 of the Democrats agreed, you'd have 36 and that's a majority. This notion that you have to have your caucus, a majority of your caucus in agreement to pass a bill, is an informal rule that's developed in some state legislatures, and it is based on a rule, again, informal rule that was established by Dennis Hastert, who was the former uh, Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. That's known as the Hastert rule. The rule is I'm not letting anything under the floor unless a majority of my caucus agrees to it. That's fine. It's his authority. It's his right to do that. But let's recognize that what that, that one of the things that does is it reduces the ability to pass bipartisan legislation, and it does tend to marginalize the minority party, whichever party that is in any particular state legislature. So I think that's the frustration that was being set forth there by, by the minority leader.
0: Gotcha. And still to come, we've got a very special guest coming up on Legislative Breakdown. We are again with representative Brooke Green you may remember we had Brooke on before in our very first podcast of this season and she was a brand new legislator and we are here to find out what it's like now that she is I don't know graduated <laughs> I don't know how else to put that she's been through the ringer and
2: uh and here she is now so uh so how are you? How, what's it like? Well, you know, um, nine weeks into this, I'm definitely still not seasoned. I have um, you know, learned the ropes. I'm learning to navigate, which really is a complex system here. Um, learning kind of, you know, the customs associated with being in this position, all of those, you know, the nuances. And um, it's been a great experience so far.
1: We thought that the session would actually probably end next week. It's beginning to look like that's not the case, but... You may recall that we had scheduled this particular podcast with actually an idea in mind, and the idea was let's talk to a freshman, in this case Brooke Green, a representative Democrat from District 18 in Boise. Let's talk to somebody early on, right in the first week of the session, as they're just getting started, and then talk to them as the session is ending uh, and see how their perception of the process and the legislature has changed, if at all, What do they know now that they didn't know that first week when we talked to them?
2: So what do you know now that you didn't know the first week? (laughs) You know, um, I know now that there is, it's a complex process. I mentioned that earlier. And figuring that out. You know, when we come in here, you know, we're, you know, big ideas, really motivated to get things done, and then you realize, no, you really need to take a backseat. You know, and not necessarily a backseat on issues that are important, but a backseat in you know, learning from your colleagues who are more seasoned. Um, If there's anything that you could tell somebody coming in as a freshman, it's, you know, your colleagues who've been here longer can really provide a lot of mentorship, um, give you some guidance. I don't know how many times on the floor I have leaned over to my representative, Wintrow, and said, Now, how do I bring this forward? How do I get up and debate? What is the procedure? Um, And and that's so important because that's how business is done. Um, What I know now, what I didn't know then is, you know, getting a bill forward is really tough it's not easy and you know i never did think it was but um you really truly have to do your homework and certainly have everybody lined up especially as a democrat oh i have to turn to my colleagues across the aisle if i want to see stuff going forward i have one bill in particular that we thought we were in great shape and then the day it ended up on the rs it got pulled the night before and um boy, I was disappointed. But that's the nature of, of how policies and legislation is passed here, and I'm just along for the ride and learning it all as I go.
1: What else uh, can you tell us that uh, maybe something that surprised you that uh, you didn't know at the beginning that you do know now that we don't know?
2: There's never enough time, period. Uh, <laughs> we can't. can't get to our emails and respond to all of our constituents as, as fast as we want. I have never seen so many emails come into one inbox in one evening. And why this is important, and it's so important for folks on the outside and, you know, who may not hear the Capitol, when you are trying to bring a message forward and have your voice heard, write us a letter. When those letters show up in our inbox, you know, you are going to be one of a few. We'll open it, we'll read it. But Oftentimes, from what I now know, if you send an email and it's really important, you know, those emails are flooding in with a hundred plus additional emails and oftentimes form emails or petition emails. So it is not uncommon for your voice to be, uh, unfortunately, buried. Um, The ones who came in the letter, it was so much easier for me to, to read when it's in an email. Hundreds come in one night. And and that's a lot. And so it's a lot to go through those and try to read them. And that's why time is of an essence, and there's not enough of it here for us to really, I I believe, do a great, great job for the people.
1: What is it that has been most pleasantly surprising to you, and what is it that has disappointed you the most?
2: So pleasantly surprising um, was I would probably say the number of friendships I've developed um, across the aisle because – I uh, share my space with all Republicans. Disappointed? I would say, you know, probably biggest disappointment is some of the bills that are coming through that we are not passing. I think in one day, and it was the one day that I... Probably put my head on my desk and said, what in the world? Um, that was the day where we saw the child marriage bill come forward. That was also the same day that we saw the um, to the Child Protective Services bill come forward. And that was the same day that we saw um, the dogs in hot car bill come forward. The child protective ones passed, but not in opposition. We certainly wanted, we did not want to see that one pass. The child marriage one failed. And then the dogs in hot car one failed that was a really disappointing day because somehow in one day we, in my opinion, didn't do much to protect our our most vulnerable population, which is our children. And at the same time, our dogs all in one day. And that was, that was a tough day. And it was a reminder of why we're here and why we try to do the good work we do uh, for days like that, because there's good bills that come forward and I want to help champion those. And then there's some like, like that happened and occurred on that day that are just disappointing.
1: Uh, So is there anything else that you would just want to say that we haven't asked here at this point?
2: You know, I'd like to just emphasize people's participation, and we saw that a lot. And in committee in particular, there was a number of times where certain bills would come forward where after they passed through committee and landed on the floor did we start getting a lot of correspondence and it was just a minute too late because it's so important in committee for them to participate and oftentimes it'll end up on the floor we get these emails saying why did you do this or we're in opposition and all i can think about was where were you you needed to be in committee. And that, that doesn't apply for just people in general, but um, just citizens, but agencies as well. You know, there was a number of occasions where we would, re- I would receive correspondence from agencies or stakeholder groups or nonprofits that were really concerned about particular bills. And I was like, you missed your chance. Um, because when they don't show up, We will have to end up becoming that voice in that committee. And um, there's a lot more weight when people are present than there is when they just, you know, unfortunately didn't see it. Well, thanks for being our guinea pig uh, on the podcast. Well, uh, and, and thank you, guys. This is this is really a phenomenal way of, to just to memorialize this process as a freshman legislator looking back. What did I learn? What were my some of my lessons? And what can I share? The further removed you get from your freshman year and you get into those later years, um, you forget about the little things. And uh, I, I just hope that some of the takeaway is that we can help find a better way for people to participate in the process. <laughs>
0: So, Brooke Green, great interview, uh, fabulous, uh, fabulous experiment in finding out what happened before and what happened almost after the session. So that was that was pretty good, Gary.
1: Yeah, that was fun. It was interesting to to, to see somebody's I don't know what you'd call it, a development uh, of their appreciation for the legislative process over the course of of her first session there. As you recall, we talked to Brooke at the beginning of the year, and what she had told us in that when we asked her, you know, what is it that you find most surprising? And she had said it's the amount of information that you have to process because you're sitting on two or three or four different committees, all of which are dealing with different kinds of subjects, and you're expected to get up to speed and know something about these bills and that particular subject, and that that was a fairly daunting thing. When we talked to her this week, the thing that impressed me most that I think is most important for our listeners to to grasp here was what she said about the role of the public in the process. If they want to have some influence or at least some say, you basically have to do it at the committee stage or prior to that. If you wait till the bill has come out of the committee, it's usually too late, that by then, the momentum is running with the bill. So, in most states, and certainly in Idaho, if a bill's going to die, it's going to die in the committee. You know, very few bills are actually killed on the floor in the Idaho House. I think there may be a few more than normal this year, but it's almost never more than 10 or 12. If you want to have some input, it has to be at the committee stage or even before the committee stage, if you know, if that's possible in some cases. So, I thought that was extremely good advice for the general public.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Our thanks to Brooke Green for uh, for being so patient with us. Gary, thank you very much. Always fun. Legislative Breakdown is a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Boise State political science professor Gary Moncrief. Our original music comes from local artist and composer Will Hall of the bands Nude Dude and Like of the Dog. Will will be performing at Treefort with Nude Dude at Tom Graney's basement next Friday at 7.30 and with High Hazel Sunday at the El Cora Shrine during Treefort. And at one point he'll be performing on a bus downtown, so keep your eyes open for him. And if you like this podcast, shout it out on Twitter or on Facebook. And remember, it's your legislature.